your offering. Just come in as soon as you can. We are going to get started. Going to get started. So we haven't talked about kingdom culture the last two weeks. We talked a little bit about the school project that we're doing, which we're going to come back and revisit that probably in uh, October. So those of you that um, are still interested or you should be interested in helping us rally and build this school and create and launch this Christian school coming up in the coming year, please continue to pray about that. If you need information on that, you can see Shalossum. She can give you a, uh, a form where we're just kind of describes it. And also we can give you the audio file of the presentation. Um, of how we kind of laid it out, but we're going to kind of come back to that a little bit, I think, in October, and just map it out a little clearer, um, even though I think it was pretty clear, but we're going to just hit it a few more times just to get everybody in the, in the mix on that. It's an opportunity to change our city. It's an opportunity to change our county. It's an opportunity to change the future and to impact the lives of children in a significant way. And um, say this with me. I'm called, I'm called. To, be to be a part of Kingdom Change in a significant way. So we're coming back to kingdom culture. The whole point of this is to take the Christian into an understanding of realizing that we are called to live, think, and operate from a different mindset, a different mentality, a different world entirely. The idea of a culture is a system of ideas, beliefs, practices, and lifestyles that define a group of people, right? So if we go to Japan, you're going, to figure, you're going to see that there's something, there's ideas, beliefs, practices, and lifestyles of that country that are different from the Philippines or from China or for even nations in that region, but ultimately the world. You go to different parts of this country, you go to different parts of any, any, any place, even in uh, our general area, and you're going to see different things that are, that are reflective of different cultures. For Christians, we are part of a higher culture. We are part of the kingdom of heaven, and we are part of the culture of heaven. His world is not like our world. My ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways above yours. That's what Isaiah says, the prophet the Lord said through Isaiah. So we have to understand that we're part of another world, and we have to understand what are the elements and what are some of the principles and what is the flow of his world? If we're going to swim in the river of his world and we're going to walk down the roads of his world and we're going to reflect, and you're all called to reflect, this is again the identity of the Christian, is we're ambassadors. You know what an ambassador does, right? They represent another world. So the United States ambassador goes to another country to represent the world of this country or the Cuban ambassador. We don't have a Cuban ambassador. I think that we haven't resolved that issue yet or quite yet. But, if, but a Colombian, we'll go with Colombia. We have a Colombian ambassador that comes to this country and he represents the interests and the culture of his nation in our nation. We are ambassadors of heaven. So we represent the culture and the ethos, which is the flow of that world in this one. So we have to understand what this is all about and why. We're in the world, but we're not of it. And one of the ideas is honor. We talked honor, and honor was in two parts. We did one honor reflective of the structure within the church, but today we're going to talk about honoring one another. And so honor is a defining characteristic of the believer. Honor is insanely high to the Lord. The way we honor him, the way we treat him, the way we treat one another, and better yet, you ready for this one? The way we honor and treat ourselves is of paramount importance to the Lord. So we have to understand what honor means. What does it mean in honoring of God? And what does it mean in honoring of ourselves? How do we treat ourselves with honor? And ultimately, how do we treat others with honor? This is a principle. This is one of the keys. You may not understand it, but we're going to say it anyway. Honor, honor. <laughs> creates, creates 
Access. Well, we honor, we access. We honor the Lord, we access him. We do the things that he asks us to do in relationship to uh, his promises. We access the promise. Honor is that. What honor is, is to ascribe the highest value. So if we honor the Lord, we place him with the highest value. When we honor ourselves, we're placing ourselves with a high value. When we walk in honor towards one another, we are placing the other in a high value. Now, that's a real easy thing to do when you're around everybody that loves you. But that's not really an easy thing to do when you and the other person don't quite get along. Right. Can I get a witness? Right. In a world that is a dishonorable world where it's, it's difficult, but we're called to be lambs among wolves. We're called to be sheep to the slaughter. We're called to be reflective of his world and we're called to bring light into this world. And that is not easy. So, you know, my process Right. Because I believe that if you teach it, you better live it. And so every time I go to teach something, it, I'm always trying to go deeper into what I already know. So there are things that I already know, but I'm always trying to press myself deeper into what I know in order that you can come deeper. If the leader won't go there, the people never will. It's just the principle of leadership. If I don't go into these places, I cannot possibly lead the people there. And so if the leader isn't growing, the people won't grow. And so while I try to press myself into these arenas, I'm always confronted with my weakness while I'm doing it. <laughs> and I'm like, man, that is hard. If you really want to get honest. And I felt like even as I was meditating on some of the stuff that we're in, some of the stuff we're going to talk about, I felt like the Lord was showing me that there are muscles that you are not used to exercising. Okay. So I've been going to the gym with my son, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. You can laugh. It's funny. You don't look like it, man. But anyway, so I have a 17-year-old son who, you know, just wants to go to the gym. So I go there and I, you know, do my best. And um, there's muscles that I haven't exercised in a long time, right? And some of them are like, yeah, this is easy. I can do that. And, but my triceps, haven't exercised my triceps in a while. So I'm like cranking on my triceps. And then for the next two days, I can't even pick up a glass of water. I'm like, I've got like using my elbow. Like, I'm like, I got to do this because it hurts because I haven't exercised these muscles before. And so I start. This is what happens with us when we start doing the things that God wants us to do. We're not used to exercising the spirit. We're not used to exercising the principles. And so we find ourselves in weakness because we're just not used to exercising in these ways. Does that make sense to you? The Bible actually says, exercise yourself in godliness. It's the Greek word gymnasu. Jesus is a spiritual trainer. You know, you didn't know that, right? He's, a, he's, a, he's, a, he's your trainer. And so exercise yourself in godliness. And so we have to get used to exercising us. And so what you can't do is you can't come into these like kind of um, self-condemning, oh, I'm weak, oh, I'm a loser, oh, you know, all that nonsense. What you got to realize is that God has called me to do this, but I'm just weak in this area and I have to continue to exercise until I get it right. Are we with me on that? Okay, so that's where I want to go. So next slide, please. Honor moves us away from something and moves us towards something. Honor moves us actually beyond ourselves. And here's a big, big chapter in the Bible, and it's about Cain and Abel. Famous story. But what we're going to see in this is we're going to see what honor is by understanding what honor is not. So this is Genesis chapter 4, and Adam and Eve have fallen, and they've been placed outside of the garden now. And 
they have children. And the first child, Cain, murders the second child, Abel. Anybody ever heard a story? Yes. Cain killed Abel, all right? So here it is. Now Adam and Eve, he knew his wife, and she conceived and bore a son, Cain. And she says, I have acquired a man from the Lord. And then she bore again, and this time she bore his brother, Abel. Abel was a keeper of the sheep. Cain was a tiller of the ground. Cain was more the burly one. He liked to lift heavy things. And so he's out there, you know, he liked to, you know, cut wood and plow the field. And it says, and in the process of time, it came that Cain brought an offering to the Lord of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought, a brought of the first of his flock and the best. And the Lord respected Abel's offering, but he did not respect, watch this, Cain nor his offering. People say he didn't respect Cain's offering. That's not what it says. He didn't respect Cain nor his offering. So there was an issue with Cain. And Cain was angry and his countenance fell. So what's going on here is somehow intuitively built into the, the human design. The issue of honoring God was not just expected, it was understood. And so these were, they brought offerings unto the Lord to ascribe value. That which they worked, that which they received from, they took a portion of that and returned it unto the Lord. And it was expected. It's expected. It's one of the ways we honor God. We honor the Lord with the first fruits of all of our increase. That's just one of the ways we do it. So Cain gets mad because the Lord had no respect for him, which is basically talking about his attitude. Cain had a poor attitude in what he was doing, and he had a poor attitude in what he was giving. And so the position wasn't so much that. The issue was an issue of honor. Cain was failing at the issue of honor. And because he was failing at the issue of honor, he was not able to access. And so Jesus wasn't concerned and still isn't concerned about his honor. If you understand him, he's got all the honor he needs. He said, I'm a great king. I will get honor. Whether you choose to give it to me or not is irrelevant. I will get honor. That's what he told the people in Malachi. If you will not honor me, you don't have to worry. I will have honor. I will have honor. Jesus told the Pharisees, if they don't cry out the rocks will, someone is going to praise me. Someone is going to give me glory because I am that great and I am that good. And so while he is not concerned about his personal honor, what he is concerned about is his creation having access to his goodness. And because Cain would not honor, he could not have access to his goodness. And so Cain became angry at the Lord when it was in fact his unwillingness to honor that prevented him from having access. Am I making myself clear? Yeah. Understand that? Yeah. <laughs> Crystal, thanks, man. So it says, why, this, watch this. The Lord comes to him and says, why are you angry? Why is your countenance falling? What's the problem, Cain? If you do what is right, you will be accepted. That's what he tells him. But if you do not, and you continue down this road of dishonor, Sin is lying at your door. It's desiring you. It, this behavior wants to consume you and control you, but you are to rule over it. Well, Cain didn't listen. So Cain went out with his brother, and it came to pass that they were in the field, and Cain rose up against his brother, and he killed him. And the Lord appears to Cain and says, Hey, where's your brother? And here again we see a reflection of his attitude, a dishonor to his, even his brother. And he said, Am I my brother's keeper? I don't know. So there again, there's this issue of dishonor with Cain. And he said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. So now you are cursed from the earth. Okay, in other words, cursing means absence of blessing. You are now in an absence of blessing. You are now without blessing. The earth opens up its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. 
Therefore, when you till the ground, it shall no longer yield strength to you. And here's the big one. You shall be a fugitive and a vagabond upon the earth forever. Honor creates access. Dishonor creates wandering. Okay? So because of Cain's dishonor, he was forced to wander. He no longer could access the things. Now, of course, he can repent and all this other stuff, but he never did. So this is the, this is the picture I want to show you, and then we're going to break this down a little bit. Next slide. Cain was the firstborn. Honor was ingrained from the very beginning. They were to bring an offering. So what happened? Now watch, I want you to see this. I want you to see the differences in the offering. So there's always a big theological debate. Well, Cain brought a blood offering, or Abel brought a blood offering, and Cain brought a, a ground offering. Well, that, the Bible doesn't even mention blood here. So we can't come to that conclusion. So what is it that Cain did, and what is it that Abel did, and what's the distinction between their offerings? And I believe in the high-level intelligence of Elevate My Church. So we're going to just see where this is. In the process of a time, Cain brought an offering. Okay, see that? What did Cable do? He brought what? The first and the what? The best. So where did God's respect go? He, Cain saw Abel, or God saw Abel, and he saw that Abel's heart was to honor him. Abel's heart was to celebrate who he was, and Abel's heart was to celebrate the goodness of his father in light of who he was. Cain couldn't get past himself. Cain had a false perception. He had a false perception of God. He had a false perception of who he was, and he had a false perception of his brother. And that false perception led to dishonor. Cain knew better, but he refused. He just didn't want to do it. That's why the Lord didn't respect his offering. Cain knew what he was supposed to do, but he didn't do it. Can I get a witness? Is there anybody here who knows what they're supposed to do, but we don't do it? And the Bible says, to them that know what it is to do and do it not, to them it is sin. Not the sin of condemnation, but the sin of missing the mark. You cannot be condemned any longer as a Christian. Jesus has paid it all. You are born into a kingdom. You are in that kingdom. But what you can do is live a lifestyle through choices and decisions that cause you to miss the mark of God's design and destiny for your life. That's what you can do. And so this is what happened. Cain refused, right? And so the Lord didn't respect Cain's offering. Murderous jealousy came into Cain's heart. Murderously jealous. What was he murderously jealous of? Well, what was his malfunction? He had a false perception of the Lord. What did Cain believe? He did not believe in God's goodness and abundance. He believed that God wanted something from him. That is a false perception of the Lord. That is a high tower of idolatry. That is not who he is. Say this with me. He wants nothing from me. He wants everything for me. That's right. So anything he asks you to do always has attached to it a blessing. Anything he asks you to do or commands you to do is because there is something for you on the other side. God does not worship himself. He's not in self-adulation. He is a blesser. His whole nature is to bless. But he blesses upon his own conditions. He blesses on his own righteousness. You understand that? His will is to bless. His will is to love. But not on any condition and not on any terms. And so when God is calling us to do certain things, it's because he wants to activate his nature, which is to bless and to love. But he cannot do that unless we align with his purposes and the way to do that. And so that's what Cain was not doing. And so the Lord's like, Cain, dude, do this and you'll be blessed. Do this and you'll be accepted. Cain's like, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. He knew what to do and he didn't do it. 
false perception. He didn't believe in the goodness of God and he didn't believe in the abundance of God. You've got to have a mentality that your God is good, that your God is abundant, and that there is always more. The devil points to deficiency. Jesus and the Spirit of God are always pointing to sufficiency. There's always more. There's always another idea. There's always another provision. There's always another blessing. There's always more. And the enemy tries to force you into a primitive or into a a famine mentality. And we got Christians who live in the mentality and call it stewardship when it's nothing more than greed and selfishness. God's not called you to that. He's called you to abundant generosity. Abundant generosity in the manner that he's prescribed. You've got to get your mind around an abundant economy. Heaven's not broke, nor will it ever be. You are not an heir of this world. You're an heir of that one. Your world's not broke. God uses people, places, and things. You got to align yourself as that person. You got to put yourself in that place in order that you can begin to receive the things. Spirit, soul, and body. Understand that? You want your world to change? I always tell people, change the people you're with, change the places you go to, and change the things that you're doing, and everything will change. You don't change the people, places, and things, nothing's changing. Nothing. You were saying, come on. Some of you know, some of you learned this one from experience, as we all have. We have to believe in an abundant economy. We have to confess it over our life. We have to pound it into ourselves and believe. And believe. The bread is for the children. He had a false perception of the Lord. He didn't believe in God's goodness. He didn't believe in God's abundance. He didn't believe in the economy of generosity. He had a false perception of himself. Watch this. He viewed himself as unloved and unfavored. He saw God's correction as an act of unlove. When God was not unloving him, God was correcting him to bring him into a greater understanding. And so his false perception of his love of himself was that he was unloved and unfavored. And the Lord, if you, when we go to what the Lord said to him, that was completely not the case. Completely not the case. But he believed that I'm rejected because I'm not loved. This is happening to me because I'm unfavored. Anybody here? Now, I know maybe, now maybe y'all don't struggle with that, but, you know, or all y'all, as, we say in, as they say in Texas. But, you know, if you're really honest, you're going to come up against that. Because the enemy is always assaulting your identity. Always. So you may as well understand that so that you can war against it. The only one who's going to fight for your identity, there's two people that can fight for your identity. Jesus and you. Nobody else is going to fight for your identity. Nobody. Your neighbor's not. Nobody's going to fight for it. Jesus stands in agreement and proclaims your identity. You've got to begin to believe it about yourself. And you've got to begin to fight for your identity because the enemy is warring against it constantly because in the fullness of your identity lies your destiny and in your destiny lies the inbreaking of the kingdom upon the world so if he can strike at the identity he can strike at everything else and nothing else will manifest all of creation groans right for what the revealing of the sons and daughters of god The world, the atmosphere as we know it, is groaning, trying to understand and calling forth that the people of God would begin to understand who they are and step into destiny. That's what that verse is saying. Creation is groaning, Christian. And so the enemy is striking at your identity. If you can see yourself as a son or a daughter, you will stop doing the things that you're doing. 
People behave in ways. We have gender, all kinds of crazy confusion. You know where the root of the confusion is? The root of the confusion isn't gender. The root of the confusion isn't sexuality. The root of the confusion isn't addiction or pain. The root of the, the, root of the confusion is identity. That is the root. Everything else is swinging at the branches. You were created on purpose with a purpose. You were born into a kingdom, a son and a daughter of the living God. Rise up. The heirs of the kingdom of the world to come. The heirs of the kingdom of the world that is now. Rise up. You are more than what you are. Come on. It's true. He had a false perception of himself. Coaching and refing. Some people have never played. Okay, if you put me out there, I don't know what game I would play. Well, let's play lacrosse. I've played some other organized sports, but I never played organized lacrosse. So if you put me out there, and you know what lacrosse is, where you throw the ball through the net. You know, kind of looks like football, hockey, but they're throwing it. And, you know, you put me out there with lacrosse, I wouldn't know what I was doing. Do you know why? Because I've never been coached in that sport. And even if I had been coached, if I'd never played in an organized level and never had a referee tell me what was right and wrong, I would never know that sport either. And so what happens is, is that Jesus coaches our lives and he referees our life. But coaching is to make you better. Coaching is to teach you the framework and the rules of the game. Coaching is to bring out your best. And what we do as Christians is when the Lord starts coaching us, we go, oh, he doesn't love me. Oh, that's so unloved. Why would he say that to me if he really loved me? Why would he correct that? Such, take that away from me. You know, I wanted that. I wanted that. If he really loved me, he would, he's coaching you. He's coaching you. Boom, you run into walls because he's refereeing. Foul, penalty, you know, out of bounds. <laughs> so you know exactly what I'm talking about. His coaching and his refing in your life does not mean he doesn't love you. We get this? Again, that is a lie of the devil. It's a lie. You are forever loved. I don't feel it. It doesn't matter if you feel it. You are. Truth and feeling are not the same thing. Truth and reality are not the same thing. You understand that? What is true is not always what appears to us as real. We pursue truth until truth becomes reality. That is the mandate of the believer. We don't pursue reality. We pursue what God says is true, and we press in to truth until truth becomes our reality. We do what he says until reality comes to us. But you cannot look at coaching and refing and say, well, he doesn't love me. That's not true. That's what Cain did. God was coaching him and refing him. Foul, Cain. Coach, get back in the game. Do these things like this and we'll be good. No, don't want to do that. You don't love me. He was jealous of his brother, which means what? Here we go. We drive the car right up into the driveway here. Okay, Coming right into your living room. I'm going to plop down on your couch with this one. He was unwilling to celebrate the success or the giftedness of another. We can say ow. He was unwilling to celebrate the success or the giftedness of another. Cain failed to realize, especially in the body of believers, that we are symbiotically connected. The success of one is the success of all. What God does for one, he will do for another. He is no respecter of persons. And what actually you should be is you should be encouraged. Well, man, if he did it for him or her... What's he going to do for me? He's going to do something good. We have to learn to celebrate the success and the victories and the giftedness of other people. Or we wander. We wander outside of our own success and we wander outside of our own giftedness because we don't learn to celebrate. Everybody say this with me. That's awesome. That's awesome. 
Good for you. That's how you celebrate the success of another. Awesome. Good for you. And if you feel a little twinge, you go, okay, Lord, now I want that. With, with, with that was right there, how do I get that? Yeah, that's, that's, how, that's how it works. <laughs> or you just bless people, man. He was forced to wander, providing favorable and honorable things in the sight of the Lord, but also in the sight of men. We are to honor the things that God says, and we are to bring honor before people. He failed to honor the success of his brother. He failed to learn from the success and the giftedness of his brother. Jealousy, envy, strife, murder, deceit. All things combined when we fail to celebrate the success of another. Same story in the prodigal son. We have the same line of thinking. So we have two stories. We have an Old Testament and a New Testament story, which means we have two witnesses. So there's a profound truth here. We have an older brother and a younger brother. Younger brother was squandering, going off. But you, let me show you what the younger brother understood. Under, oh, oh, younger brother didn't do it right. But younger brother understood something that the older brother failed to understand. Younger brother understood that he had an inheritance. Younger brother understood that if he began to ask for his inheritance, it would be given to him. So younger brother took his inheritance, went out there, wasted it all, blew it, made an absolute whatever you want to say of his life, goes back to his father, humbles himself, was not expecting anything more than to be a servant. His father honors him. This is what the Lord does, honors him, reestablishes him in a position and throws a party for him. And so his brother is the younger brother is in the room celebrating the goodness, celebrating the generosity and celebrating the life of his father. And the older brother comes along and he's jealous and he's angry and he's murderous towards his younger brother. Why? Well, he perceives, well, what, what, you know, he, his perception of the whole idea was wrong. And so what you see even in the pictures, the father saying, listen, it's not about any of these things. It's about celebrating and understanding who I am and, and taking part in what I'm doing. Everything I have is yours and has been so from the beginning. That's what he tells the older brother. You just don't understand it. Why are you jealous? Why are you angry? Why are you murderous? Everything is already yours. And he was expecting, well, you never gave me a fatted calf. You never threw me a party. You know what the father would say? Did you ask? Did you draw from that which is already yours? Do we see the dynamic here? God is, has something for us, but there's some participation that has to take place on our part. We have to ask, we have to enter in, we have to call, we have, there's this whole process that has to happen. He was forced to wander. How often have we failed to honor the Lord ourselves and murdered others with our attitudes and words? Ow, that hurts. Ouch. Why are you angry? Why is your countenance fallen, he says to Cain. If you do well, will you not be accepted? But if you do not, sin lies at the door and his desires for you. Step one, why are you angry? First of all, what the Lord is doing here is he's, he's affirming him. He's going through an affirmation. What's the problem, Cain? You perceive yourself as unloved. That is not true. What's the problem, Cain? You perceive yourself as unfavored. That's not true. That's what he's saying. I'm coming to you because you are loved. I'm bringing this to you because you are favored. I'm coaching you and refing you into how you access the very thing that you want. We got this? So God's words to him was that you are not unloved. God's words to him is you are not unfavored. Step one, why are you angry? Why are you angry? I hate that person. Why? Because they think they're better than me. Why? Keep asking why. Because I'm insecure. Oh, there we are. Why are you insecure? Because I don't feel that God loves me. Okay, and why don't you feel that God loves me? Because I've never, I have a false belief system that I'm not worthy of his love. 
You see where the roots come from? You see the tree? We want to deal with the tree. No, it's the root, man. Why are you angry? Why are you murderously jealous against your brother? So what was the Lord telling you? What lie are you believing? What lie are you believing, Christian, that tells you that God doesn't love you, that tells you you've gone too far, that tells you that he will never bless you, that tells you it's over? What lie are you believing? Now here we get into muscle weakness, right? You know, we're trying to believe truth, but the lie keeps kind of winning out. Ugh! You know, then you need somebody to come and help you spot, you know, help you get that weight up. You know, listen, you know, you need this. You need messages like this to pump you up and to spot you. So you understand what lie are you believing? Why are you discouraged? Why are you discouraged? There's another question. Why am I discouraged? Because nothing works. Well, why? OK, why? Because I don't feel like anything I do is right. OK, why? Okay, because I feel like I'm a failure. Well, why do you feel like, well, because I feel like everything in my life's been that way. Well, what principles are you not applying? You've you got to keep rooting down into the, and grinding down into this. But where it comes into where it's weak is because ultimately the issue lies with ourself. Everybody say it with me. Ouch. The issue lies with ourself. Cain had the issue. Jesus didn't have the issue. Abel didn't have the issue. Cain had the issue. You understand that? But Cain projects it out and wants to say, no, the issue's God. No, the issue's other people. No, the issue's this. No, the issue's that. No, no, no. It's right here. It's right here. And you have got to be brutal in getting down to the roots that are established in you. You've got to be brutal. And you've got to be honest. And you've got to be willing to confront the weaknesses that you currently have. And guess what? Welcome to the planet. We all got them. I know weakness isn't a thing we like to project in churches. I know it's not, well, we got it all together. Bless God. Hallelujah. Oh, my soul. Right? Pastors float around in glory bubbles. They never have a problem. <laughs> Woo! Everything, I, everything they do is right. I mean, it's like, really, that's not the case. It's not the case. We have to learn to deal and realize that we are weak. But say this with me. I am loved, I am loved. Even, even in my deepest weakness. Even in my deepest pain and regret, I am loved. And in that love, you can be vulnerable. In that love, you can, that, that's what changes us. It's what change, this is what God's doing. We think that God's trying to expose you. He's not trying to expose you. Well, he just wants to expose me. No. He wants to heal you. He wants to help you. He wants to get the very thing out of your life that's causing the problem. But you got to help. You got to participate. Why are you angry? Right? I do that sometimes. I feel provoked. I don't know about, about all y'all, but I feel provoked from time to time. I live in a very provoking world. Right? And sometimes people attack me and I don't know why. I don't quite know why. And I get provoked sometimes, and I start thinking to myself, man, you do not know me. You don't know me. And I start thinking, go back to your old self, Kevin. I'm like, yeah, let's go back to my old self. Yeah. But what I've learned through discipline, and my muscles are still weak, is I try to back up and go, why am I feeling this way? What is the root that is provoking this emotion? Where is it? You know, and if I can't see, I keep trying to process what the problem is. Why is this producing insecurity in me? Why is this producing anger in me? Why do I feel such a deep level of disrespect? 
Why do I feel that way? You understand how this works? You have, to, you have to go down to the roots of this. This is how we become whole as people. This is how we become healthy as people. This is how we become healthy as believers and mature. We shine the outside, man. No, go in and deal with the bones, man. Go in and deal with the skeletons. This is how, come on, this is how we become whole. But you've got to be reassured that his goodness, and he loves you, man. He loves you. In your, his strength is perfected in your weakness. He's going to cover you. He's going to take care of you. How do we honor the Lord? I'm going to move real quick. We see him. We, we cover this a lot, but it's good to always reinforce it. We see the Lord for who he is, and we celebrate him for who he is. You've got to pound it in your head that the Lord is good. You've got to pound it in your head that he loves you and that he's for you. And you've got to celebrate the Lord for his goodness. You've got to celebrate the Lord for his mercy. You've got to find it, and you've got to celebrate and honor him for those things. Obedience is a great level of honor. You say, oh, I'm going to make some sacrifices. Obedience is greater than sacrifice. Here's a story where Jesus is talking about two sons. We're sons and daughters, right? And he's talking about which one's a son, which one wasn't. The one who said he would do it and didn't, or the one who said he wouldn't and did. Which one was the son? The one who did it. So clearly we see as sons and daughters, we honor our father through obedience. Understand that? And as sons and daughters, when we don't do as our father said, even though we gave pay lip service to it, we don't honor him. And so honoring him and understanding and pressing into his goodness and knowing who he is and honoring him based upon his nature of who he says he is, honors him. And when we obey and do the things that he asks us to do and live in a way and honor him and participate in the things that he asks us to do, we cannot view the things that the Lord says to us as burdens. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. We have to celebrate it. We have to celebrate what he asks of us. We have to celebrate what he calls us unto. Paul got the snot kicked out of him in ministry. Everywhere he went, read the story. Beaten with rods. Beaten down with rocks, dragged out the city, left for dead, chased in the ch- shipwrecked, day and night in the deep, perils in the city, perils in the country, everywhere he went, perils from beasts, perils from false brothers. I mean, the guy was under attack. He says, I think, at the end of his life, he said, I count myself happy. I think myself happy. And then he says, I thank God who considered me faithful by calling me into the ministry. He constantly celebrated the goodness of God, constantly celebrated in spite of adversity. He knew that God was for him. How do we honor ourselves? Here's a big one. You ready for this one? You're going to need to get this one. This is important. You have to see yourself as heaven sees you. Say it with me. I must must see myself myself. as heaven sees me. I must stop living by false identities and aliases. Aliasly known as. Huh? Previously known as. That's not who you are anymore. Right? That, well, somebody said I'm this and somebody said I'm that and everybody said I'm this and the world says I'm this. and this is, That is not what heaven says. We are who heaven says. So you have to live in that identity. Who told you that? Who told you that was who you are? Who told you that? That's a bigger question. Who's telling me that I'm this way? Your emotions, your body, your mind. Well, your father didn't tell you that. And God's greater than everything else in your life. 
My culture told me that. My, my, my father, my earthly parents told me that. My schoolmates told me that. My situations are telling me that. What, it doesn't matter. Whatever anybody else says to you, if it is not the identity point of heaven, it is a lie. It is a lie. You understand the devil's a liar? Only body's going to tell you the truth is Jesus, right? The only body's going to speak life over you is Jesus. And the devil is constantly lying to you. And he'll use anything that you'll listen to to get the lie across. Whatever he can use to get you to buy in, he's going to use. So that's it. But we have to fight for identity. We have to stop living by aliases. We honor ourselves by seeing ourselves in the light of heaven. We honor ourselves by understanding that we're sons and daughters and that our God is for us. Who can be against us? What can anyone do for me? No matter what happens to me, I'm going through. I'm not going under. My best days are yet to come. I rejoice in audacity of hope. You've got to fight for that because you'll never honor others until you learn to honor yourself. If you see yourself as lost and broken and all of these crazy things and this just swirling world of aliases, you know, let me tell you about Kevin. Oh, yeah, I used to know that guy. Yeah, I used to know him. I heard he died a while back ago. It's been over 20 years now. That dude died. He's, he's been dead a long time. I'm not known by that anymore. I'm not known by that. You're not known by that. That's not who you are. Do not let people impose an identity upon you. Stop letting people give you fake IDs, man. <laughs> Live by the one the Father gives you. Honor the others. How do we do this? Here's what it's going to do. This, so, this is, so this is necessary. This needs to be understood. And this one is painful. Okay? There's where we get to the point of pain. Honoring others. So what does it mean to honor another? It's seeing the person for who they are without being offended by who they are not. Right? This will revolutionize marriages if both people can see each other for who they are without being offended by who they are not. It doesn't mean we don't change. It doesn't mean we're not, you know, who we are is not who we're supposed to. That's not the point. It's seeing the person in light of who they are and their true identity and seeing them in the point of their giftedness without being offended by who they are or not. There's a woman, she used to come here and say they moved away a long time ago, but they, uh, she, she told the story about her husband. He loved to eat chocolate all the time, and she would, get, <laughs> she would get really offended because he would eat chocolate. And so the Lord just was dealing with her like, what do you care if the guy eats chocolate? What do you care? And so her attitude was, he just likes to eat chocolate. So she began to celebrate the fact that the guy liked to eat chocolate. You know what I mean? It wasn't intrusive upon her. It wasn't violating to her. She just didn't like it. So she, in order to honor him, she accepted him in that re- arena for who he was and w- refused to be offended by who he was not. Can I get a witness? Yes. Next slide. Murder and we destroy each other. And the way we do that is we don't understand our identity and we believe that our value comes from other people. Your value comes from nobody but Jesus. Stop, let other people imposing your value upon you. Now, I don't like you. Well, Jesus loves me, and that's good enough for me, man. I don't even like me sometimes, but Jesus loves me, and that's good enough for me. Stop letting other people impose value upon you. We perceive that our value comes from what other people think. That's called, the Bible would call that the fear of man. 
Paul says, if I fear men and not the Lord, I can no longer serve him. If I'm more concerned about the opinions of others than I am what my father says, I cannot be a servant of Christ. You see where we got to get our perceptions from? We got to get our perceptions from the Lord, which means we take our identity, which means we take our instruction and ready for this, which means we take our corrections, our coaching and our refing from him as well. That's what it means. People have really said that. So here's a couple of simple questions and I'm going to close. How can I honor? Can you honor someone and still disagree? Yeah, you can. You can honor someone for the position that they have and the position that they take and not agree with them. You understand that? You can honor someone and still disagree. You don't have to be dishonoring. You don't even have to break relationship over areas that you don't agree in. So what's the question? How do I fix broken relationships? Ready for this one? You can't fix every broken relationship. And why do you think that is? Everybody say one. Because it takes two. That's right. To fix broken relationships. And if one wants to fix the relationship and the other does not, is the relationship going to be fixed? No. You can't fix every relationship. Both people have to be willing to repair the relationship. So you've got to be okay with the fact that even though you're an honorable person or you're honoring someone, you're not always going to get that in return. You understand that? You're not just because you say, well, I don't understand why this relationship didn't fix. I, I extended myself in honor well, the other person is just not there. You, don't, you can't fix every broken relationship. And the longer you live, the harder reality that is. That's hard. It's hard. People have really good reasons for doing really wrong things. Can I get a witness? I got a really good reason why I ran you over with that truck. Right? We get, people have really good reasons for doing really wrong things. This is the way it is. But here's a big one. This is the last point right here, the last two points, okay? And we're going to close right here. We must understand that we're together. We stand together, and with each other, we don't stand at all. This is what it means among believers. It's a culture of honor. We break relationship over disagreement. We break relationship over disrespect. We break relationship over all sorts of things. When the Bible gives us prescriptions and remedies and how to heal those relationships amongst ourselves, we have to learn to stand together. We have to learn to stand with each other or we don't stand at all. We have to learn to value and celebrate the success and the giftedness of one another and empower one another in our successes and empower one another as a whole in our giftedness in order for us to become who we are. And if we will not do that, we won't stand at all. Three different responses in the, in the scripture, particularly to sin, right? Guess what? You were a sinner. You're not the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, right? But you're going to sin. You're going to make mistakes. You're not going to sin under condemnation, but you're going to do some really dumb things. People are going to do dumb things to you. And ready? You're going to do dumb things to other people. So, okay? And what typically the responses are this. We have a political response of Pilate who washes his hands and says, I'm done with you. We have the religious response of pick up the stones and pound them down publicly. Or we have the spiritual response of Jesus who says, I stand with the sinner. Which one are you? We have got to learn to stand together. We may not agree. We may not like certain things. But we stand together in the cause of Christ. This is how we honor one another. We celebrate, build up the successes of each other. Hurts, offenses, disagreements. We have to stand with each one another. So I hope I made sense. <laughs>
I gotta close. Come on. Let's pray. If you're here this morning and you got some deepening hurt or offense in your heart, we're just going to do a little simple prayer, and I just want you to let it go. It's just an exchange. Okay, so let's just pray. Just say, Dear Jesus, I give to you the hurts, the pains, and the offenses of my heart. I trust you, and so I give this to you. And I receive back to me your grace, your power, your purpose to forgive myself, to forgive others, and to walk in my destiny. Thank you, Lord. Let me just bless you. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine down upon you and give you peace. And may you forever live in his favor. In Jesus' name, amen. God loves you. We love you. Have a great week. If you need prayer, we got people for prayer. Let's go.